Who was the king God's people waited for? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of the Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dombozik, our managing editor. So Brian, today we are looking at yet another book that parallels Ezra along with Haggai, along with Nehemiah, um, which is the book of Zechariah. I love that we get to do so many books in the Minor Prophets. Yeah, as we've talked about, these books are so often skipped or um, just people are vaguely familiar with them, probably read through the Bible in a year plans and they, they kind of read through it. But they mm-hmm. don't I don't think we study these as much as as we can and right. should. Yeah. And as hopefully as we've seen in the last couple episodes, hopefully as we'll see today, there's there's just a lot of, of beautiful uh, content in here that yeah. points us to Jesus. Yeah, and um, and I mean, actually, it's we were talking before before we started recording, even that it's like there's so many things that I wish we could talk about more than we're going to today, and um, and in some cases that we're not going to talk about at all. Um, there's whole sections that it just kills me that we can't. But maybe that gives us an opportunity another time. Exactly. All right. But uh, but <clears throat> let's let's start with um, a question that we we've already already touched on, <laughs> um, which is where does this fall in the Bible's narrative? So as we've as we've discussed, the, this is concurrent with Ezra, Haggai, Nehemiah, and a whole bunch of other books. Um, all there's so many books in scripture that are all happening at the same time. Um, and that's something that's important when you when you think about the structure of the Bible is that it's not structured chronologically. It's structured more or less by um, uh, by literary style and 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 what that what what all that is. So you have you have the the first five books, you have the law, then you have history, then and that takes you from the from the conquest of the promised land right up until the the return of the exiles and the completion of the temple and the waiting uh for um for the promised messiah to come um then you have then you've got the wisdom literature which which happens all throughout that period of time um and then again you have the prophetic books which again happen all throughout yeah. that period of time and um and then you and that's and that's just up uh, that's just the old testament then you get to the new testament and it does kind of the same thing interestingly so um <laughs> except the history part's a little bit easier cuz it's acts <laughs> so um uh, but but in this, um, when we think about this, what this book is really designed to do, what God intended uh, for Zechariah to speak through this was to provide a message of both encouragement and challenge to his people in many ways, because they um, they were at the stage where they were rebuilding. They were rebuilding the temple. In fact, the uh, the book opens with that challenge once again to re- Hey, guys, rebuild the temple. Um, and we talked about that last week. Um, and so if you want to ha- listen to that discussion, if you haven't already, do go back and check that out. Um, but it goes it goes deeper than that. It talks about um, it, it talks about so many different things that we'll get to in a, in a minute. Um, and 
what it what it reminds us though in in some big ideas uh, among them are that the rebuilt temple and the rebuilding of the city those are great things and those are things that need to happen um, but that God had much more in mind for his people than simply that and he had much more that he was doing um, through them uh, during that time so um, that's our, our very quick survey of everything that's happening in the narr- where it falls in the narrative. Now here's the big question. What, uh, what questions should we be asking when we read and study this passage? Well, the first one is, as we are reading through the book, it's a little bit challenging because mm-hmm. of the way it's structured. It's a, it's a complex book. Um, I mean, some of the prophetic writings are complex anyway because they're using some imagery and you know, I think of Amos and I think of a plumb line illustration and, and it's just kind of the, these kind of different feel as you read uh, the books of prophecy. But Zechariah even more so because the way it's structured, it doesn't seem like there's a structure. Um, as you read through, it just seems like it's this random kind of patched together passages uh, that you're trying to make sense out of. And, and some believe that it may feel like this because that's what it is, that mm-hmm. maybe these are just different sermons that, that Zechariah delivered and they're just kind of piecemealed together. Others suspect that, no, maybe there's more intentionality, that that, that was part of the jarring mm-hmm. of the people that Zechariah intended, that he wanted them to be kind of thrown off and say, wait a minute, what in the world's going on? To, to, to complement the message that yeah. he was bringing to bear. But basically you have chapters one through eight that contain this this carefully dated visions and, and sermons. And then 9 through 14, it's more of undated poetic oracles and narrative descriptions of judgment and blessing. That's, mm-hmm. that's the, a simple way to kind of outline the book. Yeah. But here's, here's what I would encourage our people as we are reading through this book, trying to make sense of it. Um, we want to fight to see the unity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it's important. But don't let that impede your understanding of the slivers. So yes. as you're reading through, you latch onto a couple of verses and say, oh, this makes sense. Don't lose that because you're struggling to make sense of the bigger narrative scope of the book overall. Right, right. And um, and we'll get to what one of those one of those unifying narrative threads is um, in in a little bit. Um, but one other question that's worth asking of this book is is why was the rebuilding of the temple not sufficient? Um, which seems strange because it starts with that. Um, but um, but as we as we we think about really the the story of scripture as a whole and Zechariah's place in it, we we need to be we need to remind ourselves that really the Bible is is one story of God's plan of redemption. Um, so it's not about a temple being provided. It's not that that's going to be the you know the end all be all solution or the climax of the story. Um, and then everyone, you know, goes home and is happy and has their medals or, or whatever, um, that we need to remember that, um, the story of scripture is really about, um, and, and the, the importance of the temple has less to do with the temple and more about what, uh, God is offering people that, uh, that, um, he, that, he is offering salvation from sin and reconciliation, rec- restoration, being at peace with him and being welcomed into his family, um, forgiveness for all the for all the wrong that we that we do and all the right that we don't do, um, you know, over which 
is every day. It's, yeah. you know, it's, and it's our nature. We so, don't want to do what he does. Yeah. So just as, as the, when Solomon felt finished building the temple the first time, that wasn't the finish line. Right. Exactly. And just because the people have now returned, rebuilt the temple, it's not, the, it's still not the finish line. Right. It's what it points to. Right. And, and that's one of the, those beautiful things about scripture is it makes it really clear. Like if you, if you just read through the flow of, of Zechariah, because um, I know that, like you were saying, there are two different schools of thought. I would tend to lean toward there is there's some intentionality here. Um, but because as you read through it, it's like, oh, OK, this this picks up here and here and here again. But it's doing it to punctuate certain certain points. Um, and it's God reminding the people that this story's not finished yet. That something else is yeah. coming, that someone else exactly. is coming, which leads us both to the question that opened this episode and to um, our favorite question of every time, every book that we look at, which is how does this point us to Jesus? Um, and so the question is, who is this king? Yeah. And, and as you're reading through Zechariah, you will see the prophet refer to someone in different ways. And so, for example, in in Chapters three and six, you're introduced to this idea of a branch who will take away iniquity. Yes. Hmm. Who might that sound like? Hmm. And then later you have this king introduced in six and nine, especially this king who will bring peace. Mm hmm. And then even still, you have this idea of a shepherd who will be struck down for the sheep in, in chapter 13. You put all those together. I mean, any of them on their own. Certainly sounds like certainly Jesus. sounds like Jesus, but you put them all together: the branch to remove iniquity, the king who brings peace, the shepherd who is struck down for a sheep. It's Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so really, the king that the people wanted, the king that they yearned for, the king that they needed, it takes us way back. This is what I love about the story of scripture. Yeah. When we study scripture as one story arc, you see these these motives over and over again. We we haven't we've seen this before, right? We've yeah. seen God's people yearning for a better king. Yeah, goes all the way back into the period of the judges when they called for a king, and and when they got kings, and they were insufficient and and inferior in so many different ways. And and God's point was, you need a better king, you need a greater king. The same thing, that same idea, that cadence, that rhythm, that truth that permeates through the Old Testament mm -hmm. is continuing here. That God's plan is still intact. He is bringing a Messiah. He's bringing a deliverer. He's bringing the one to crush the serpent's head. He's coming. He's going to be the king who's going to be in praise with God. He's going to remove iniquity through his sacrifice of himself and, and his death on the cross as he lays his life down for his sheep. So this is just a beautiful uh, exclamation point that mm. that king is coming. And here in Zechariah, which is what the next and last book in order yeah. in, in the Old Testament. Yeah. As we're reading through in order, we're just going to have Malachi, and Malachi is going to say, get ready, he's coming, and there's going to be 400 years of silence, and then Jesus will burst forth. Right, right. Um, and, yeah, and it's it's just one of the things that we need to, to really think about is, is that um, very often um, – when people want to challenge the idea of of all scripture be pointing pointing us to Jesus, um, that um, as Jesus said himself, that all scripture testifies to himself.
Um, and he's very careful with his with his language there. Like in in Luke, he says that all of it testifies about him. In John, he says that all of Scripture is about me. Um, so when he says these things, he means it. <laughs> um, and so when we come up to passages like like this, that ones that um, we very naturally look at, and we say, well. This leads us to Jesus. This is clearly about Him. There are there are times when people will 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 come and they and they'll challenge them. And they'll they'll say, "Well, it could have been, you know, this human yeah. king or that human king or this person over here." And um, I don't see a lot of that happen with with this passage in particular. I do see it in in some other places like um, Isaiah with the virgin birth narrative yeah. and, and things like this. But um, but here but. Whenever we come up to those things, there's always a question that we should be asking as well. Who else could that be? And does that person that you're and if someone is challenging and saying, well, it was it couldn't it. It's not necessarily Jesus. It's someone else. You can ask the question right from the text that it's like, does so does this person take away our iniquity? Does this person bring did this person bring peace? Was this person struck down for the sheep? If that person did not do all of those three things, they're not the person that yeah. this text is about. This text in in its in how God um, inspired it to be written and inspired it to be spoken to his people, it could only be about the king who was to come, who is Jesus. Yeah, and, and I think as you're saying, I agree. It's it's reading when we read holistically, mm-hmm. when we we read the bigger story the bigger ideas and we keep these together that's when it's becomes evident the danger is like if you just take the second one a king who brings peace i'm sure we can find kings in history earthly kings who brought temporary peace for their people yes and you could try to make a case well look king so-and-so brought peace but that's when we're looking too narrowly yes and as you're saying yeah but was that a branch who took away iniquity was that a shepherd who was struck down you know, I think that is where we have to be good students of God's word and, and read it the way he designed it to be read as one complete thought, this one mm-hmm. story of redemption through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then this becomes so clear. Oh, yeah. yeah, this this is Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's think about this book from the perspective of one person discipling another or many others. So whether they're working with kids, students, adults, one-on-one, at the dinner table, um, wherever it may be. Um, what kind of guidance can we offer them in working through this passage with someone else? Well, this one, again, because I think it's so apparent Mm -hmm. that this person is Jesus. And we look at these three characteristics we just looked at. I think it begs, the question begs for us to consider how we are to live in light of what Christ has done for us. So, you know, our sin has been forgiven. That's that first part, the branch that removes iniquity. How prone are we to forgive others? Mm. Or how, how stingy are we with our forgiveness when we've been forgiven so greatly? You know, we have peace with God. He's the king who's brought peace. How prone are we to live in peace with others? And then he is the one who has made us alive because he was struck down. How prone are we to lay down our lives for others? Or do we hold greedily to our own lives, our own well-being? You think of these questions and you think, all right, what Christ has done for me? How am I living in kind? And here's where we have to be very careful. I'm not suggesting we do these things because we need to earn what God, what Christ has done, uh, you know, to earn his favor, to earn that forgiveness and so forth. I am not suggesting that at all. That is the farthest from the truth. 
if we've trusted in Christ, those things have been given to us, we're fully accepted, period. But because of that, our heart posture should be one out of gratitude and with joy to pursue these things. So really the question should not be, you know, man, do I have to forgive others? It's, man, I want to forgive others. Mm-hmm. I want to be forgiving. I want to express to others what God has, has expressed to me in such a greater degree. And so this studying Zechariah, looking toward their longing for this king who would do all these things, and for us being on the other side of the cross and having experienced the blessings that he has provided for us, I think this really is a great opportunity for us to consider deeply how our lives are living out the gospel day by day. Yeah. Brian, that's a great place for us to wrap up this conversation. Um, So uh, thanks for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And Brian, thanks for discussing this. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.